Okay. Welcome to the podcast. Andy Stinson, it's great to have you here. Super excited to have a conversation with you. And uh, by way of introduction, you are Reverend Andy Stinson, born in Maine. Uh, The 11th generation son to come from Midcoast, Maine. And within, so they started... They started in Mary Meeting Bay. They the homestead was in Erosic, and you know we're what five miles from that. So yes. I mean we can go. I, you know, we could get in the car right now and go down and touch the graves of the first ones that came over. In, in, in what time frame? Seventeen eighteen. Seventeen eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's when I come across the bridge, there's a there's a palpable exhale. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. I am in my roots. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Roots run deep. <laughs> um. You joined the U.S. Army Reserves in 1986, becoming an infantryman and graduating from the U.S. Army Airborne School. You gained an ROTC scholarship in 1989 and graduated from the University of Maine in 1991. Southern Maine, thank you very much. Southern Maine, thank you. Yes, yes. After college, you accepted a commission in the United States Army Reserve as a second lieutenant in the Transportation Corps. I wanted to fly helicopters, but I couldn't hear, so they... Gave me a truck, which is a lot less dangerous <laughs> than a helicopter if you can't hear. Because you can't hear in a truck anyway. I was going to say, so. you can't hear in a truck either. Exactly. <laughs> um, and you worked as a commercial diver, fisherman on the coast of Maine, eventually running your own boat and buying seafood seafood for export. And during this time, you became a member of the Swedenborgen Church in Portland, Maine. Four years later, you received a call to the ministry and left fishing to attend Andover Newton Theological School and the Swedenborg School of Religion in Newton, Massachusetts. That's right. Yeah. Ordained in the Swedenborg Church, Swedenborgian Church in 1999. It's usually a soft G, Swedenborgian. Swedenborgian, thank you. Please. Yeah. Yes. Correct me whenever. Uh, I can use lots of correction. Swedenborgian Church in 1999 when when you also became a chaplain in the Army Reserve. Currently serving as senior pastor, First Congregational Church of Fall River, Massachusetts. And prior to that, pastor in Warren, Maine. And intermixed in this, I, I haven't got timestamps right exactly, uh, but you were command chaplain in the United States Army, um, 804th Medical Brigade in Baghdad. We were, so yeah, we were, so we were the senior, uh, we were the, the medical task force for the country of Iraq. So essentially, if you got really, you know, everybody had their own doctors, but if you got really hurt, you came to see us. So mm. we had three hospitals, one in the north, one in the center, one in the south. And um, you provided essentially trauma care for, um, you know, for soldiers throughout the mm. throughout Iraq. Uh, I was the senior chaplain. I had seven chaplains that worked for me, um, basically two at each hospital. And then I had one that was a behavioral health guy. So he would mm. kind of do circulation and kind of kind of try to attend. Did these health hospitals uh, bricks and mortar or were they? They were okay. at, at this point. Yeah, they were a bricks and mortar. They were, they'd been, you know, so I was there in 2011. We were Technically, we were kind of the last rotation, um, yeah, a full rotation of the war there. So they'd been there for ten years. So, um, you know, I say it was a little like it was a little like coming at, into the end of a concert. You know, you can tell a lot of stuff has happened, <laughs> but you don't quite know. No, like you weren't present for it uh, in that. So, but you know, there's but there's still stuff happening. But it, it was, you know, there there had been a, a presence there for ten years. So, mm. so yeah, every every place we were had. I mean, there might have been some tent you know, kind of uh, uh, accoutrement to it, but it was mostly they had taken over Iraqi buildings. They'd kind of, so they were pretty much brick and mortar Mm -hmm. places, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and some of them, you know, interesting in terms of what you found in them. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, You're a pastoral care coordinator at Penn Bay Healthcare, providing pastoral care and coverage for 109 medical bed clinic care facility, as well as emergency and on-call coverage. And hospice chaplain, which was uh, the most of my work there. Most of it was most, was most of it was end work. of life care. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, in terms of the priorities of need, mm. you know, simply, um, you know, when there's kind of when you're only one, and you've got a pretty big population, and they had, and uh, you know, they were no all in hospice at the time. That was their primary care. So mm. yeah, so that was, um, and a lot of that was in home care, which mm-hmm. was kind of fun too. Mm, so yeah, yeah. yeah. 
the traveling doctor. Yeah. Chaplain. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you were senior pastor of the Church of the Holy City in Washington, D.C. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I sit five blocks from the White House. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I learned out of that was that Harry Truman was right. You know, you want a friend in D.C., bring a dog. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough town. So I was there for a year for a reason. Shake, you know, the, it, it shake, shake the it, dust from your sandals yeah, on the way out. You know, I, I wasn't what they wanted and they weren't what I wanted. And so we made a mutual decision. So. Excellent. Um, I also have in here Operation Center Chaplain. Was, is this continuation of the Baghdad Surface Deployment and Distribution Command, U.S. Army, provided and coordinated spiritual care for 3,800? Yeah, so I was so I was mobilized in two thousand two um, uh, for um, with the Surface Deployment and Distribution Command. So they were, and basically what they did is everything that all the ammunition that moves in America and all of the everything that moves uh, overseas by water and and that gets loaded on ships. That's their job. So they essentially were. So they brought on a ton of reservists to begin to for the mobilization for Iraq, and you know because all those you know tanks and at Fort Hood have to get to uh, to get on a ship and go, and so that whole ship part was was really there, you know, surface deployment kind of thing, um, and so uh, so they were really unprepared as a lot of parts of it was, and so they found out that. A few of these units that they had actually had a chaplain as a part of them because we had our unit just had other things to do at, besides what what they were calling us to do, and so um, they were like, "Oh, good, a chaplain!" <laughs> like, and so you <laughs> know, insert chaplain. Yeah, exactly. So I was way out of my depth, and it was a it was a real gift. But it was I was I had no business being where I was doing what I was doing, um, but it, it was uh, but it was a great adventure in that regard. You know, so I got to see. Parts of America that, um, you know, Tuella Army Depot, where we keep all the chemical weapons, and uh, McAllister, Oklahoma, where big bombs are made. And literally, it's, it's, I mean, there's McAllister, Oklahoma, which is a town, you know, it is the ultimate in mill towns because the only thing there is an ammunition factory. Mm. And if it goes, there's no one will survive it. Like, you know, it is because Both. all the 500 pound bombs, all the big, the, the big munitions in America are basically made there. Mm. And so it's, and it's on the prairie and you just kind of go up to it like Oz, you know, it's just up there on the horizon and you just keep driving and you're, you it's know, never going to get there. You never get there. And yeah. And they were kind of, Given a you know, giving us a little walk around as I you know, I would go there to kind of, basically our soldiers were kind of stationed around the United States, so I'd go there to kind of you know do some visitation and just see how they were doing, see what other issues were coming up or and that kind of stuff. You know, as as weird as it was, you know, in some ways it was a it was a really odd deployment for them because they're not you know overseas, mm-hmm. they're not doing sort of stuff, but they still have a critical function. But they're also they're they're you know they're they're uh, you know their loved ones are a plane ride away. But they can't go there to go to them. And so there's this way in which they had to hear about how the faucet broke. And they had so it was really there was actually a it was it, it was, the domestic side of caring for for those soldiers was actually kind of challenging in some ways because they were they still had to deal with life at home, even though they weren't home and even though they weren't dealing with it, where mm. often soldiers are deployed. It's like, okay, we're apart. You know, that hopefully you can work it out and we'll work it out and we'll figure it out when we yeah. get back together. But yeah. it's very different. So mm. anyway, the, you know, they were, so we get there and they show us around and, and there was a big bang. And one of the, one of the guys I was with just jumped and he says, you know, and, and the guy giving the tour, he says, he says, don't jump. You'll never feel it coming. <laughs> if something really blows up here, you'll never feel it coming. Like, no need to jump. No need to jump. You should not be anxious here at all because you'll never know. You'll just wake up in the spiritual world. Like, you know, like that's it. Wow. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and in 2013, on your birthday, I understand you retired. I did. From the U.S. Army Reserve and twenty years, twenty six years of service. Yep. Thank you for that. And you're married to Kristen, two sons, two grandchildren, three now. Three now. Yeah, just six months. Ooh, that's so, right. Yeah. Yes, that it's is Timmy. right. And I have in the notes here I, I, that you are cursed with a love of sailing. <sighs> <laughs> I, I know where your boat is. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and other hobbies include reading, finding great podcasts, 
gaming, shooting, and discerning the Lord's next call. Yeah. And I think after reading through that and discussing that, it's safe to say that uh, it's sort of the Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> and I guess uh, on a final introductory note, I, I just jotted down that you're a fam- formidable man on a mission. And a little story that kind of sums this up on a physical nature. So you're a wrestler in high school. I was, yeah. Yep. Good wrestler in yep. high school. By, and, and plug, by the way, the the podcast you did with Jim Coffin, uh, just just terrific. I've I've listened to it twice. It's just it's just epic. Like there's so much in that. Yep. You know, I really so appreciate that. Like, you know, I've always thought like he's a guy that somebody needs to give a microphone to. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm so grateful you did. Yeah. So uh, we'll do it again with him again. Because we, we only scratched the oh, surface. Yeah, absolutely. Barely. For sure. Right, yeah. <laughs> so wrestler in high school and coached yep. by Jim Coffin. And so not too long ago, um, there's a pool table in your parents house that right. needs to come out it's going to be gifted to chop point camp down the road from us and it's got to come out from the basement and there's a few stairs and we've got a ramp set up and we've done all the engineering that we can do the rest is up to the 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 horsepower created by right. humans so i'm on the top you're on the back i think with benjamin i think mm-hmm. mike was on the top with me your brother and it, when it was go time there was this tremendous surge of energy that came from the backside of that pool table, <laughs> and all of a sudden we were out. And I was expecting this struggle, but not with a formidable man. Formidable man with a mission on the other side. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah it was good. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I've got about one speed, so it, <laughs> it's just you know, go. It's not the fastest speed. It is not the slowest speed, but it's just go. It's go. You yes. know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it serves me, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so questions: What made you decide to enter the military? And did you did you sign up be- before yeah. you graduated? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I actually graduated from high school early, so mm-hmm. I graduated. I had enough credits to graduate in ju- in in June or in January rather. And um, so, in order to, I wanted to go to school in the fall, but in order to, so in order to get the initial training done and then get back into the reserve, my reserve unit and all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I would, I kind of, I, I managed to, to, uh, um, to finagle it so that I could leave. Um, I left in March of that year to, uh, uh, to be able to get back by July or so to get all my training done. So then I could kind of step off for, for college mm. in the fall. So mm. that was kind of part of, that was the plan. Where'd you go? <clears throat> um, Where's for, your training? For training, yeah, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. Okay, so I'm, you know, one of the things is, you know, I mean, at that, yeah, I don't know, the bio kind of makes me sound cosmopolitan or whatever. No, not cosmopolitan, but that's probably the wrong word. But um, let's straighten you know, them out, Andy. Like, yeah, <laughs> the, um, but you know, I had never spent the night outside the state of Maine. Really, the first time I spent oh, the night yeah. outside of the state of Maine was in Fort, Fort Benning, Benning, Georgia, which was educational. So, uh, it was, you know, it was not exactly a warm reception into the outer realms of the world. Like, yeah. So. You're um, there with how many recruits? Um, yeah. So there's, so you end up, you know, the first night you get there, they, they basically are, you know, they just throw you in this big kind of warehouse with, you know, um, with, you know, bunk beds and, and you, you know, you spent the night there and, you know, it's March and I'm in Georgia and so I'm already, you know, it's midnight and I'm sweating, mm. you know, and it's, it, mm. so the whole thing, it's just entirely just then that morning they put you on a bus and, and you report to your unit and then there's a lot of people screaming at you for a long time and you do a lot of push-ups. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so why the, what, what made you decide military though? Well, I, what? I wanted to go to school. You know, my, my, my brother's always had kind of a, uh, you know, I mean, you can say I have some bull in me, but he's got couple, um, <laughs> and not the you know, you know, and and the worker bull and the working bull kind. Yeah, exactly. Not the other kind. Um, he is, um, uh, and so so you know, he had kind of plotted a, a great plot, a great path for him through uh, Maine Maritime Academy, and so I and I'm kind of I, I'm kind of casting around. Uh, you know, I don't have that kind of vision and stuff, but I know. Um, I, I think that this is a way I, to kind of get there, but um, and to get into school and all that. Um, but also, I'd started 
you know, I'd started gaming when I was I uh, when I was probably nine or ten at a little place down in Bath called the Toy Soldier, mm. and it was filled with mostly you know there was largely a wargaming crowd and it was filled with um you know either kind of these retired veterans and all this sort of stuff and it's a little kind of um uh, red badge courage where you know i just heard the stories of you know service and what had happened and and i'm i'm super grateful for that community because as i said i didn't you know i i didn't spend the night outside the state of maine until i joined the army i i I had a pretty, you know, as, as I, I mean, a great education, whatever, but I, I had a pretty sheltered life in terms of what I, and, and I don't, and that's not bad, but it's, it's certainly a question of, of what, uh, of, of options, you know, of what, what does the world look like, you know, and, and how is there a bigger world and outside of, you know, outside of the, you know, the, the peninsula, you know, the two peninsulas we kind of inhabit here. Right. So, you know, yeah. um, and so I, I felt like that was kind of the way in which, you know, I mean, it, it sounds a little cliche in terms of kind of join the army and see the world sort of thing, but there's, you know, meet exotic people and kill them. Um, but it was a real sense of that. And, mm. um, you know, um, and my home life was challenging. And so I really felt like I needed, you know, up and out was kind of the, mm -hmm. kind of the right place. Like mm -hmm. there was some, there was some, there was, you know, this. Your father um, was a Marine. My my dad was yeah, yeah. So my grandfather was a was in was in the navy. So my father joined the marines, and so he was a marine, and so I joined the army. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Rounding things out, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and how did so. you pick the army? Um, so I think a number of the you know the army was really the um. Like, well, I, I, you know, I had a romantic sense of it at that time. Mm. I like, I, I joined the infantry, you know, I actually, I, you know, I did the ASVAB test and I had all these kind of, I, you know, the, the recruiter was working really hard to sell me on other stuff because I was smart enough to do other things than, and, um, and, but I really wanted to join the infantry. Mm. Like I, I wanted the, you know, there's, there's really, you know, there, there's a lot of different communities within the army. Um, and, you know, one of them is the, the people who, who, um, you know, there's people who have jobs and then there are people whose jobs it is to do violence. Mm. And those are, they're actually fairly separate. Mm. Um, you know, they're, everybody's in the army, but they're, they're different qualities of people. And I wanted to, and I really felt like I wanted to start in that place. Um, you know, you might call me an angry young man. I don't know. But, um, but there was a way in which that I, it was, it seemed like, um, that's 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 where the challenge was him, yeah. you know what i mean that's where the challenge was mm -hmm. like i yeah. could go be a map maker guy or something and like that's not the challenge mm -hmm. you know and and i think you know part of it coming out of the wrestling room mm -hmm. you know was just like bring it yeah like like how do i stick that guy you yeah. know like and this isn't this isn't um a question of um you know how do i not you know how do i you know, how do I get away with the least? This is a question of how do I give them, how do I leave the most on the mat? Mm -hmm. And that was, that to me seemed like the place that, mm. that, uh, you know, you, you, that's the, the, that's, that's the place you do that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of part of that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and so because it was it, you really, where you were military ministry, Got your uh, ordination, and then back to military. So you were in and out. Of yeah. Those, so, but, but at the same. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean that's just part of the nature of the reserve component mm -hmm. is that you're, you know, you know they don't need you till they need you, and then when they need you, nobody else will do. So mm -hmm. and then <laughs> and you go. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it 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 made for a pretty kixotic life in that regard. That you know the the to get established somewhere and then realize okay we're you know, um, uh, so there's, I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of heart for you guard and reserve soldiers, uh, because I really believe, um, it's one thing to be in the active component and doing it. And then, you know, you put on the same clothes and you just, I mean, they send you somewhere else, but you're always putting on the same clothes. Um, garden reserve soldiers, they put on different clothes all the time. Like they put on a uniform and then they're putting on, you know, um, the, you know, the, their, 
dad clothes or their um or their community clothes mm-hmm. or their their work clothes and they're all of the you know they're 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 literally kind of absorbed in different lives and and um you know the the gear shift it takes both you know psychically and spiritually and um to to kind of continue to do that is is it's hard mm-hmm. like it's hard on people and mm-hmm. i think it's harder on people than than just oh i'm in the army and mm-hmm. that's you know and i was a garden reserve soldier so i get to say that so mm-hmm. <laughs> like i'm like yeah you know like because uh, i've talked to a lot of active duty people and they're like oh no that's not true like no it is true mm-hmm. i really is i mm-hmm. i the the disruption and the sacrifice that they make, and largely untold. Mm. Um, I had not considered that. You're, you you're, know. you're talking about them stepping in and out of harm's way, I guess. Right. To oh, some yeah, extent. absolutely. It, to a large extent, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to yeah. belittle that, but uh, yeah. they are in and out of it almost, yeah. and, and and at their choosing, and yet at the calling. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. You know. Interesting. So uh, let's just jump back to sure. fishing for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and diving. Yeah. So I graduated from USM and uh, my roommate at USM uh, who ended up, um, he had started diving um, and I had, I had gone down in Pennsylvania and taken a job down there. It was actually working with um, kids who were uh, kind of on the margins. So, um, and I started doing that work and uh, it it really didn't suit me. I'm glad I did it. It was a great experience, but it was it was you know kind of some foreshadowing I think in my life of of some other stuff, but but it was really not where I so I was kind of so I got talking to him and he was like, "Hey, we're you know this whole industry's opening up. The people were diving for diving for sea urchins and I'm like, "What?" It's like <laughs> sea urchins. It's like guys. So Those I basically things on the bottom. I basically had never dove. Mm. I went I drove back to Maine with my last 500 bucks, got a got a uh uh, uh, diving, got my diving certification, and uh, yeah, was on a dive boat later later that week, and you know, trying to you know, trying to figure out how to how to stay you know stay warm. upright <laughs> and, warm. and warm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, main waters are yeah. ocean waters are not warm. No, no, no. That, yeah, that was uh, yeah. It'll and it'll make you old fast. Like that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a yeah. So. And and the urchin, you know, the urchin trade was all diving in the winter, so mm. it was so again. You, you didn't yeah. pick the easy way, yeah. So yeah, no, and it was, and that was there was a lot of um, that whole process was really a uh, an exercise of just you know, can I do a hard thing? It was you know. Because it was, it was the the beauty of it is that it was really free, which was just it was not a, I, you know, there's no office to go to, mm-hmm. there's no, you, you know, it's very much don't work, don't eat kind of thing, and um, you know, and it was really, and it was just a, it was an incredibly good experience for me at that time in life to really mm-hmm. say like, okay, not only can I do a hard thing, but which I mean, lots of people can do hard things, but just can can, you know, can we, you know, um. You know, just kind of, you know, endeavor to persevere and have some fun in it, have mm-hmm. some joy in it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. um, um, and so it was really, and I, I, I actually had a lot of leaving diving for me was really frustrating because I really wanted it to be great, mm-hmm. and I really wanted, like, I, I really, I, I could see the meaning of what I'm doing. Like, I'm feeding the world. Like, mm-hmm. people have a meal. Mm-hmm. I went, I went to work. Somebody, somebody's gonna, you know, some little Japanese guy's gonna eat that and have a nice day. You know, it's it's party food. You know, in Japan, so yeah. there's a sense where, like, you know, you're gonna provide a piece of meal for somebody's celebration. You know, like, and so it, there's, you could, I could get my head around all this good stuff, and at the same time, I'm just like, ah, it's just, you know, like just empty. It's like, mm. you know, it's like, and I really wanted it to be more and I, and it, it, it never was, but, but the ability to work through that, to spend, you know, and then, um, and then the last year I was doing it, I actually started buying. So I was working for another guy. And so, um, and, and was kind of his agent up and down the coast doing some mm. buying. And that was, that was good for me because it, it, uh, you know, it kind of exposed me to this, like, um, you know, the world of fishmongering is an ugly world. Oh. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of shenanigans. Uh-huh. And so there was yeah. Yeah, that kind of, layers kind of sh- fun. Layers of shenanigans. Yeah, it's exactly. Right. So it was yes. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a quick thought, um, a little off topic, but so 
you're down diving. Mm -hmm. And how, how long would you be down diving for? Probably. So we'd do, we'd usually do between four and six tanks a day. So, and um, you get about an hour out of a tank when, you know, well, because we were working. So, yeah. and and so you wanted to maximize bottom time and, you know, we were in good shape. Mm -hmm. So, you, and so we do, you know, um, we do a lot of skip breathing. So, and, you know, where you... It's kind of this kind of thing you can do, like you you know, where you breathe every time instead of doing that, you breathe every other time. Mm. So you kind of get a little longer out of a tank, and mm -hmm. you just you know, the little tricks of the trade that we would do just wow. to stay you know, stay on the bottom. So four was about four to five was about the average day. Six was a big day. Mm. Like you know, it either meant we were having a really good day and we were slaying them, or we were having a really bad day and we needed to need to put something on the board. So it was mm -hmm. one of the, it was either one of those, but yeah. Um, so my thought is you're down there. This is well before they had waterproof uh, any kind of music or, you know, you're not, that's, I guess my point is you're not listening to podcasts or music while you're No, you're yet. listening to your own breathing. So yeah. you're listening to your breathing. Although my, my buddy did make, he did make an under uh, an underwater with a Walkman of all things. <laughs> like he had an old Walkman and he, he, he neoprened uh, the, he, he put the, took the speakers, cut the holes out. Like he couldn't, he could not, I mean, it's really interesting. He could not stand the silence that much mm. that he had to mm. like figure it out. And mm. it would, it would blow up on him every so often. <laughs> and then he'd repair it, you know, but he'd cut up some old, it was really mm. like, it was, he, he, he kind of created one, but I, to a, to a good point. I mean, it was, it's it, that you level must, of listening, yeah, like, li, you know, you listen to your own breathing for six a hours a day. Yeah. A lot of time to think. I mean, we don't have yeah. that, what I'll call luxury. Right today, because that is really interesting. Constant distraction. So I'm just curious yeah. about what, what you know, what if you can remember what what was going through your head down there? Um, well, you know, a lot of it is you're trying to be smart, so you're trying to think through like, okay, where's my bag? Where's my next thing? Mm -hmm. Okay, what's going on over here? What's so you know, trying to pay attention to you know, it's a kinetic thing because mm -hmm. trying to pay attention to you know, um, there's a lot of there's actually a lot of work in terms of there was just body work in terms of because um, you. You're not, you're mostly um, neutral buoyant, but you're a little heavy. So you're kind of a little bit resting on the bottom, but any kind of swell is moving you. So a lot of times you're, there's this kind of dance, you'd, you know, like you'd move a little bit and you'd, and then you move a little bit and then you, you know, like you'd have to, there was a, there was a whole, so it was. Rhythm. To it. There's a whole rhythm to it. Yeah. So it was, it was it, I mean, I guess you could say it's a little, it was actually a little like dancing a lot of mm -hmm. days. So, mm -hmm. so you think about the state you're in when you're dancing or yeah. something, there's a little, you know, there's this more, um, but yeah, then you can, but you know. You know, then you, but you can also spend a whole day thinking about the girl that didn't call you back. <laughs> like, you know, so there's also those days. Like, why are you calling me back? Like, we had such a good time. And you can really, you can, you know, dwell on some things. You can, yeah, you can, you can drill a hole in your own heart really fast, you know, doing that too. So, uh, yeah. Um, so did, did that time down under the sea um, have anything to do with you then deciding to go into the ministry? Yeah, because um, it was about that time that you got involved. It, it in did. Yeah, Sweden no, that was. I was all. That, yeah, my call was all working itself out in that same time. Um, well, there's there was. There, I mean, there's there's one. There's a couple of stories with that. The the one is, you know, I I was. It was a particularly cold day, and we, it's okay. You can work on particularly cold days when it's kind of below zero or whatever, or or around zero. But if it's windy and around, you really can't because you just like things get, everything gets coated with ice really fast. And can, so, it, you know, the, there's a level of complexity, but it was pretty quiet that day. So we steamed out and started diving. And so I'm, I'm working along and, um and, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I drain the tank. So the regulator starts to breathe hard. So you're like, okay. And so you, then I just kind of I'd gotten a little tangled in my line, so I would just so normally what you do is you just tie off the bag that you're working while you're coming up. So I'm kind of looking, and it just took me a little. I was a little more shoal, and it took me a little longer than I thought. And then so I'm like, so I dive the so I drop the bag, and I look up, and there's nothing but ice above me because the ice had kind of moved because now the wind the wind came up, and so there's kind of a big iceberg like. So I'm so I literally look up just in time to hit my mask. My mask starts to flood, and I'm like, so now I'm like, and I don't have any air because I'm like, I'd already, you know, I'd already kind of drained dry. What I was like, so I'm doing this, and then I 
poked my finally poked my head up under the water out of the water and because the wind had come up and my mask was wet the it immediately flash freezes across so you can't see so now you're you know just kind of like vaseline on the glasses kind of look and you know and i i kind of i i i just seen my tender or you know and i knew he was going to come over and so the tender is the, the guy, guy, the guy who's going to come get it. us yeah. yeah and and so i i knew he saw me but there's but because the bag didn't have very much in it I, I didn't really have – normally there's like a little buoy to hang on to. You mm-hmm. kind of hold on to your toggle buoy or whatever. So there was nothing really talking to me. So I'm in the slop and I'm doing this. I'm, my head hurts. I'm like, there's got to be an easier way. There's got to be a better way to make a living. This is like, you know, it just – and it was it was actually a kind of a series of days like that. And it it it, it, it goes to actually kind of how I think call works and how we kind of know if something's a call or not. And that is I, I really – you know, they, I believe there's kind of this what's called a push me pull you, which is if you're just being propelled out of something because you don't like it, that's probably not a good reason. That's that doesn't necessarily mean you're being called to the thing, but it at the same time there's a there's a gentle kind of push out of what you're doing, but there's also a tug into the direction you should go. And that when we when we find both of those present in our life, those are the times to really kind of like. You know, it's kind of the, you know, the the Dr. Doolittle moments of the push me, pull you kind of animal. It's like, okay, there's – when there's two ends working, you know, there's a work propelling you somewhere to get you out of what you're doing and calling you into something that kind of makes your heart come alive. Mm. Those two – that's really – and and that was kind of one of my first experiences with that of like being propelled out of it because later I would say if not that day or or later on that week you know I would sit down with my dive partner um, Joe who you know Joe not a spiritual guy mm. like I mean I mean soulful yeah. you know but. You just, you know, we had a lot of fun in school. Um, you know, he, you know, he almost got his biology degree, I think. I don't know. <laughs> but he had a lot of fun in school. And we, you know, and he was my my big brother in the fraternity that I, that I pledged. He's, you know, he, he uh, um, you know, just one of the most fun guys I've ever met in, in, in life. And, um, you know, and I, I kind of asked him later that week, I said, you know, you know, I've been going to this church. I've been, I'm thinking about going to seminary and thinking about being a minister. So what do you think about that? You know, and this was a big, like, this was not necessarily the way we talked all the way, although we were close. And, and you know, and he said that uh, words that were just not the way that he talked. Mm-hmm. They were not even, they were not even his words. Mm-hmm. He simply, and he says, Andy, you're, you, you minister to people. Your presence ministers to people and you, you care for them. If you choose to go to school and do that professionally, that's great. But you're always going to do that no matter where you go. Mm. And I was like, son of a <laughs> like, ooh, I hate you right now. Like, you know, because it was – It was, yeah. It was really this very much um, – uh, you know, and so it was these coming together of these two things mm. that really started to to say, okay, this – and and the real like and I just couldn't shake the dissatisfaction of diving like mm-hmm. even though it was a great life and I look at it now and I still like it was a great life like physically difficult mm-hmm. but at the same time you know there it was hard it was hard and yeah. you know but there's virtue in hardness yeah, you know I mean. like there's yeah, a, yeah the there was hardness is exactly there's the there's like there's a challenge of yeah. of you know and it was an honest hard mm-hmm. like which is you know yeah. like I you know I think you know depending you know there there. Are, you know, they're difficult things we do, but they're they're not always honestly hard. Right. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, that's validated. You know, they're yeah. And yeah. so like you can right, you can point to a to a pile of urchins at the end of a day and say, I did that. Mm-hmm. And and um so yeah, this I don't know how uh, you know, so had you thought about the ministry before that? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up in church. Mm-hmm. You know, my my mom um, came up through uh, the the nuns in Augusta, and um, she had a particular experience there, which was you know hard. And so, to, so you know, she was well. They're not, you know, like they're not going to get my boys. That's mm-hmm. what she. That was her. That was her phrase that yes. she would say. Yeah. And my dad, um, you know, just kind of thought it was all kind of a clown show. Mm-hmm. Like you know, his because my grandfather was actually, and my grandfather and grandmother were actually deep into the congregational church. Mm-hmm. You know, and North North Woolwich Church was their, okay. you know, their their church, and yeah. they they you know, and um, they were you know for whatever their 
their life together was, um, you know, they would, you know, you know, he, he, you know, he would, you know, he would, uh, bellow him. He was known for like a, uh, you know, one of these guys that couldn't necessarily sing, but made a joyful noise to the Lord. Like one of those people, <laughs> like, like he was known, like, you know, he'd love to sing out of the hymns. He'd love, you know, he, so, and, and, but all of it, you know, burn for my dad, none of that hauled mm-hmm. any water. So he just, he really, um, so, you know, uh, you know, I, I do actually think he still kind of shook his head and tried to figure out where he went wrong. Mm. Like he was mm. just not like he could not understand how he ended up with a kid that this was where he, <laughs> this is where he went. Um, uh, and yeah, so we're so yeah, so I had you know, no one was more shocked than me. Mm. No one was more shocked mm. than me. And in, in fact, I mean, that's kind of in Joe's statement was that like, My he, other, Joe. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he, other people could see it in, you know, yeah. that, um, you know, they, that, could, they could see that, yeah, this was a, a big shift, you mean? Or, or no, I mean, other no. people could see like, like what my, what my friend Joe had said, yeah. you know, about like, this is what, you know, this is who you are and this is what you'll do yeah, if you choose to Joe. go. Yeah, yeah. My roommate Joe. Yeah. So, you know, other people could see it in me before I could mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, um, which I think is often true, often you know, true. for, for many, for many of us, yeah. you know, we can see, um, you know, the, which I think is in many ways, just the power of, you know, having a generation ahead of us that will admire us, you know, mm-hmm. because they can see things in us we can't see mm-hmm. and that need to point those out. Yes. So before they either go off the rails or they die on the vine or whatever. So you had been through your military training, you'd been in the reserve, and you still are at that point in time, yep. right? Yep. And you've gotten your ordination. And did you see the connection with those two things coming together at that time? I actually that? was going to get out. You were? When I got ordained, I was going to get out. I I had um, – I felt like I'd gotten the T-shirts that I wanted to get. You know, I'd done the things <laughs> I wanted to do. I'd, I, you know, I really wanted the 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 – the life of the church to kind of be central. Like I was that wanted, I wanted that to be important. I felt like this, you know, I knew what it was to be a reservist and it's hard and I didn't know how all that would work even as a chaplain. Um, and so I was really, my, my, I, I, I had everything set to just kind of let, let myself go once I got, um, ordained. But, um, well, September 11th happened. And I started having, and I, you know, there was quite the obvious that, that, um, there's going to be a need. And the thing about military need or ministry need or both. Yes. A ministry need. Like that's what I really, that's how I understood it. It's like, you know, I mean, obviously not, not only is the army going to call on those who are, who are in uniform, but, um, but I really felt like, you know, there's going to be a lot of hurt and a lot of, a lot of hurt and souls. And there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be work here, you know, mm-hmm. like there's going to be, and, and I, I looked at it as, um, there's one of the, one of the greatest challenges of chaplains anywhere is to be able to enculturate enough in the, in the culture that they're in to be effective. Mm. And so whether you're in the army where, which is a really distinct culture, or you're in a hospital, which is a little less distinct culture, but still distinct. They have their own language. They have their own things they do. They have their own times that they move, like all that sort of stuff. And, or you're in a, um, you know, you know, any other, or you're in a university, you know, any other setting, you have to enculturate enough to be able to be effective or else you're just going to be you know, kind of the funny looking kid down the end of the thing that nobody's going to talk to, you, right. you know, so you, you've got to be a part of the, part of that world. And, and what I, and one of the great chaplains, one of the great challenges of most chaplains when they come into the army is that they are, they, they have trouble enculturating into the army. Mm-hmm. Like it's a challenge, you know, mm-hmm. because they're, they're not indoctrinated the way regular soldiers are. They're not brought in the way the regular soldiers are. They're, there's all these challenges to it. So they, you know, and, and part of that, there's there's some goodness in that so where they're not kind of church of army, but there's also challenges in terms of just effectiveness, being able to be taken seriously, all that sort of stuff. And and so I was really on that point where I was ready to hang up my boots and and I started thinking about, you know, you know you can do this. You know, you know you have the ability to do this. Like mm-hmm. you know you have and and you know that, you know, God's given you this past 15 years of experience, you know, um, to be able to to live into that. Um, and, and you can 
like you just described though, because of, because I know who you are, you can just step in there right. with them immediately, somewhat immediately, and, and they're going to listen. And like, like Joe said, you're, you're ministering people without even knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there, so that thought just started to, you know, that just started to work on me. And when the time came to be like, okay, you know, it's like I was, you know, I finally decided like, nope, I'll, I'll, I'll swap over to the chaplaincy and, mm-hmm. and make that, um, which was funny because when I made the decision to do that, it actually became a whole nut roll and became difficult, you know, administratively. And so I was like, well, maybe not. <laughs> I was like, maybe not. But then I, but then I realized like, oh, okay, this is how that, this is how this works. What's the push pull? Right? It's exactly. Yeah. It's that. And it's also that like, really? Do you really, like, <laughs> did you really think that? Cause you know, cause what's on the other side of it is going to be significant. So you need to, you need to, you know, say with a, you know, a full-throated yes. And so it was kind of working through that was, I think was part of the full-throated yes that I had to say, like mm-hmm. to really accept what I was getting myself into. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you're doing ministry work in the desert, right? Eventually. So yeah, eventually. So yeah. So I'm, I mobilized in 2002. Um, I, I'm four years with service deployment distribution command. So there's a huge mission. Um, I end up kind of being, um, being, I was really the, the, the chaplain of the one star that was there for most of the time at the operation center, which was really way above what I should have been doing, um, uh, in terms of my, my pay grade and experience. But, you know, again, it was one of these things, they didn't have anybody. And so, um, so it was a, it was a neat experience that way to get to see, you know, that echelon of, of how the world works. And um, in 2006, you know, I, but I'm, and I, I, I kind of realized it was time to go. So, and I, I 2006, I left and um, came back and went into went back to institutional chaplain. Went to the went to Penn Bay and mm-hmm. started doing work there. But yeah. and then 2010, October 2010, I would get orders for Iraq, and so it would spend most of 2011 mm-hmm. in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So, so what's how does the so your commanding officers, what role do they play in your chaplaincy? So the it's interesting, you know, every every unit is different. So it you know some chap some commanders just really don't have much use for you and just let you go and do your thing. Some are really close. Um, my boss in in Iraq was really we were really close. Like he he actually was um, he's a great supporter of, of you know the. The role of the chaplain, um, he uh, he was the oldest soldier in Iraq at the time. He oh. was sixty something. Like he was, he was an old man. He was an old man to be doing <laughs> for it to be in that yeah. r- world. But you know, we're the medical task force. Everybody's prof- you know they're doctors and prof- professionals, and so it, you know you just in order to get that level of. Um, but he was a he was a, a card carrying Lutheran, and um, I ended up being basically the pastor to the what was called the traditional service so essentially the the liturgical protestant service because mm-hmm. everybody else you know all my peers there were just you know tambourine banging baptists you know and they were great <laughs> like they were good they cared about soldiers they were, sure. but they just you know there was this need for a uh, um for a uh a a service for you know liturgical Protestants, and so I'm like, well, I can, I know how to do it. Like, I can find the answers. I know how to do it. So, like, okay, you You're got in. it. <laughs> but it, what it turned out is that that was actually my boss's service. So, mm. um, so he would, you know, he'd be in church with me every day, every mm. Sunday, and yeah. so that was, and and it was really that experience um, is what actually brought me back to the congregational church, or mm. and brought me back to church in general, and the belief in church. At, you know, the worshiping Sunday gathered group is. To you know, I, I would say probably of my my time in Iraq, maybe six or seven months of it, I was kind of leading that service. So it was one of you know that was basically the side gig to everything else. So you know, all the other you know, all the other duties that I had in the in in the in Iraq, but there was, but it was to me so powerful because you saw. I mean, the the there were probably thirty some odd people that would come on a Sunday. The the the, the most junior was uh, an E three nineteen year old E three. The most senior was a two star um, was the was the division commander of the 
oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I think it's the 25th. It's one of the division commanders that I can see his face and I, gosh, that's gonna, that's embarrassing. It's been 10 years. Uh, um, it, it, it's so, um, so he ends up, so, and so, and, and yet that little group would come together on a Sunday and they would kind of check in on each other's lives mm. and they would support each other and they would encourage one another. And, and you have these people like who, who are literally living out this kind of, you know, love one another as I've loved you kind of command to, to journey through something hard together, even though they're not in it, you know, they're not the only thing binding them together is the common, the, the common cup. And uh, to, to see the way that, that, the spirit became present with that little group through over time and the way that it was both a, an, an encouragement in a dark time. It was just all the good things. Mm. And um, truly, you know, the presence of God was in it. And mm. so I'm like, and it, it just really, it was a, it was a punch in the face for me I because I had really, well, I'd really kind of like, I had really kind of made the decision, I think, that I was going to be kind of an institutional chaplain guy at that point. Like, there's a, you know, there's a path for that and mm. you can get the, you know, all the, all the things and you can do all that. And, and, you know, I'd been, that's kind of what I was doing in the reserves. So, you know, and I think the church was, you know, churches are a pain in the neck, man. Like, they're work, <laughs> they're hard, they're hard. And so there's, um, uh, there's this way in which I was like, ah, yeah, like, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go find myself a good hospital somewhere and, you know, whatever, you know, like I kind of had this little kind of narrative I'd had worked out in the back of my head and I kind of realized having spent that time with that group um, that no, it's actually in the worshiping body that all the good things happen and nothing else that isn't, doesn't. Like it really is like, not to say that when I go to a bedside at a hospital, there's not, you know, I, I, I'm not bringing, you know, the care and presence and all that sort of stuff and, and, and the word of God, but it's, but all of that is generated on any given Sunday morning. All of that matters because there was a community behind it, because there was a there was a there was a body that is incarnated into this world that has in, in it a presence of of um of holiness and spirit that can then go out in the world and do things. And that I had been kind of telling myself a story for a while, mm. you know. And and it was really it, and I say it was a punch in the face because it was really it was it was one of those um, I was giving myself a pass and I didn't know it sort of thing, you know, cause I mean, we, we can do that because, right? well, it's really easy to do because you're like, well, I'm going to the bedside of dying people. Like how much of a pass is that? Like, you know, like I was like, I could tell myself all kinds of great stories about it, you know? Yeah. And, but I really, what I, what I recognized was that, um, that the kind of the, again, where the action is, even though. I think in you know 2023 in America, particularly in New England, um, you know we are we are you know 50, 49, 47, 48, and and 46 for church attendance in America. Mm -hmm. Those are the New England states. You know Maine is 47th, Massachusetts is 49th. Um, so you know we're not exactly the the you know um, you know and that's. It, it, and so, you know, so this is hard soil to begin with. And then uh, in the midst of all of that, you know, there, there's this, for me, um, you know, I, you just the recognition, you know, I kind of like, well, and, and as, as sidelined as the church might seem and all of that, it's still where the action is. Mm. Like, it's still where the really good things happen. Mm. Like it's re where the where the really um, life transforming things happen. It's where the really where where impact is where impact and difference gets made. Um, you know, uh, and it's you know not to take away from any other good deed doers, but it, it you know um, for me and for my lane and my understanding, like it really is still the the you know I, I remember hearing the you know. Um, there was this it, this phrase I hated for years, you know, and and I, now I'm coming to kind of begrudgingly like mm, maybe it's true, <laughs> um, but it, it's that 
you know, the local congregation, the local worshiping church is the, God's plan for salvation for the world, and there is no plan B. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, man, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot to put. It's a lot to put on somebody who walks through the door on any given Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to put on a leader in the middle of that. It's a lot to put on people who would, you know, take an office in a church. It's you know, it's a lot. And and and, and it's interesting that you say that because since COVID, you know. Uh, Certainly a lot of that has been pushed away that I can't go or I watch it on TV or whatever. And I'm not I'm not a pla- in a place to judge. It's not my place. But it's interesting that you say that. And how, how has that transfi- transpired for you since COVID? Um, has it changed much in your congregation? Or is, what's the population like? How's that going? Yeah, we're down. A th- we're, we're, we continue to be down probably a third, a strong third. To from what our numbers were prior to COVID, um, they're not coming back. Um, where there's new folks that are finding their way, but um, uh, it's interesting. Mostly our young families, which I was shocked at. Mm. Like the old folks are like, eh, I'm gonna die. Like I don't, you know, they, <laughs> they're like they were they were much more bulletproof and much more like, like unplussed by it. Mm. Um, you know, something's got to get me. They it was kind of their their attitude, but. But the young families really they 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 made choices that uh, that were not church like mm-hmm. they've they've really so there's a lot of challenge in that um, it as a leadership kind of issue like it, it is it was this, that whole time and and even now um, is still the single greatest leadership challenge of of what I've encountered, you know, and I mean, I don't know how good a leader I actually am, but, but it's been, it's hard. Like it was hard. You know, we were off the platform for 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of, um, and then, so and finally we made the decision. We're like, nope, we're like, we're doing it no matter what. And so, um, you know, we're blessed with a big sanctuary and not as, you know, so we could figure some things out to kind of, spread pl- out. yeah, spread out. And, you know, I, I mean, just kind of, play pretend. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, we're, we're all yeah. playing, you know, and we all know we're playing pretend, <laughs> but you know, but it, it's, you know, but, you and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Sometimes you need to play pretend, yeah, you know, yeah. like sometimes you need to do that. And so I, I, I was, because, because the goal wasn't being right. The goal was keeping the body together, right? you know? And so it's like, okay, what is it going to do? Well, how are we going to, how, how, you know, how do we create a space that, that people could best feel they could move into it? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, at that, you know, I, and that's like, I, I do a live stream. I did, I started, you know, when it first kicked off, I started doing a live stream every, so I did a live stream every day for about 90 days. Did you really? Yeah. I, 80 something days. Wow. Yeah. So, because I was like, I, I have to have something for this community mm-hmm. to be able to know that their church is present in their life over this this period of time. So people were hungry. Yeah, and they were hungry. They were. And there was there were ways in which they and they there was they needed, you know, they needed or you know, what um the way I talked about it was um what what it was so I would do 11 minutes at 11.11. So it became cool. 11 at 11.11. So, and which, and it's still going on. I do it three days a week now, but its whole function was to say, look, this, in a world where all the punctuation marks in your life have gone away, like we, you know, you don't have pauses, you don't have periods. There isn't, you know, every, you know, for, for a little while there, everybody's life was one big run on sentence. And um, I said, the goal of this is to be a punctuation mark in your day. That you can pause and you can listen to this and you know it will happen at a particular time. It will happen live. It will be here. You'll hear, you know, you'll hear me. You'll hear a voice. You'll hear, you will do it with, you know, and on the live stream, you'll see other people that you know and love and that, and that we have a place in a space together. And so, um, the ability to kind of, so just the, the kind of vague attempt to show up, you know, mm-hmm. it was an attempt, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. You know, That's I mean, crazy. there, there could have been better ways, probably, but mm-hmm. it was the way we did it. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, that's great. Now, so kind of along those lines, and it goes back to what you said about your roommate Joe and his comments to you. I mean, that's just that's deep, you know, to come from him. Yes, yeah. where was it really coming from? And my kind of the question that comes out of that is, so your style of encouragement to people is very unique. I think it's it's very easy for people to take 
wisdom advice from you because it just you're just there, you're present. If somebody's out there that wants to provide encouragement to others and they don't know their place, would you have advice for them? What might that be? Uh, yeah, it's just hear the story. It's just hear the story. So I, it is every sacred text in the world, um, but Bible, it were true of Bible, but true of all sacred texts, the one thing they all have in common is they're a story. They have a beginning, they have a middle, they have an end, they have an arc, they have uh, characters, they have things that they're telling us. I, and, and I think to me what that tells us is that um, the most sacred thing in the world is our stories. That like, literally sacredness comes through story. And so if you have – so if there's somebody struggling in your world, the ability to hear their story is the single most way – is the single most important thing they need from you. Mm -hmm. Like it is just, um, you know, they, there's not an answer. There's, there's, I mean, it, it's, it's always been true, but I think it's probably never been more true than in 2023 that, um, that there are, there's always an answer for every problem and everything that everybody has. Um, and nobody cares and they don't matter. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Say that again. I, like I, there's, there's all the, there's, there's an answer for every problem that you have. There's an answer for everything that's going wrong in the world, and they don't care, and nobody matters, and mm -hmm. they, they don't matter, because and and they they don't we don't care, and they don't matter because we're not really seeking the answer. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're not. That's not the 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 problems of the world are i would say they're the problems of of um of disconnection and the problems of um what um what the ancients used to call akadia which is um it's called the the in the seven deadly sins world is called sloth but um but it's not it's not as we understand it it's not lack of energy or lack of work it is spiritual inattentiveness so it's spiritual numbness. Like you started, mm. you started by talking, you know, telling us, you know, that you, you know, you, you were. I mean, I was really in insightful about what it was to, you know, spend four hours underwater a day just listening to my own breath. Like you know, and 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 how rare that would be as an occurrence for any human being um, these days because we're so overstimulated. Well, that overstimulation, that is like that is academia. Is that we have all the choices. But none of them matter. Hmm. We have all the things available because they're not the things that really matter. They're not logos. They're not. They're not the really real of our lives. They're not the the you know uh, you know uh, the holding a child. They're not the the um, the breaking bread with people whom we love. They're they're not the 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 um, the things that are absolutely eternal. They're not bringing comfort to someone in distress. They're not the things that that human beings have been doing for since they crawled out of the trees and that are still doing now and that are absolutely absolutely you can pick any time in history and we are we were still doing those things for us because they were eternal mm. and that all of those things have been lost and so i can give you an i can google an answer for any problem you have but no one cares mm. because that's not what i'm seeking mm. what we're seeking is the really real what we're seeking is that authenticity what we're seeking is that um that eternal the the connection with the eternal that mm. comes in that and that only comes in with other people that and that only and it only i really think it only comes through sharing story mm. whether it's and that's not just like me telling you my story and you telling me yours, but making story together. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, there's this one time we went to dinner. You know, like there's that that the the whole process of life together in that. And it and and you are, I mean, you're right on point when you say whatever COVID attacked in whatever, you know, in the you know, body or in the in the life of in the biological life of human beings, what it really attacked is our spiritual foundation of connection together. Mm. Like, and that is the or the or the the connection of 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 our of our life together as human beings. And that was its, and that's true. It's tr that's its true damage point. Mm. Like, that's its true damage point. And like, will there be a, a revival from that? Well, always has been. Always has been. 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of an optimist in that way. I mean, you know, I'm not an optimist. Uh, I don't like optimism. I, I, um, but I, I, but I believe in hope Hmm. and I believe in hope is something and, and hope isn't, you know, if you take take out of the biblical definition, hope isn't a thing, hope isn't something you have or you don't have. Hope is a thing that you do. Um, so when, when the apostle Paul talks about hope, he talks, so he talks about it as a kedge anchor. So he talks about an anchor, you know, you see people with hope and they have the anchor tattoo. Mm. Well, the, the, a little bit of that is misunderstood that, that it's actually a kedge anchor. So the, when a, when a ship would get uh, caught on a reef or, or, a, or a sandbar or something, they would take, they'd lower an anchor down and put it in a smaller boat and they'd row it out and then they'd push it out into the water. And then the people in the larger boat would pull on the anchor. So as a kedge to pull them off the, it's how, how you get off a sandbar or something like that. And when Paul talks about hope and when the, when a lot of the other disciples talk about hope, what they're talking about it, when they talk about it as an anchor, they're talking about it as a kedge anchor. Mm. So it's this thing, it's this thing that we put out there and then we pull against it. Mm. And so, so hope is not, Again, so hope is not a thing that we have like, oh, I, I, you know, I have hope in this. It's like, well, you'll be disappointed mm. because it will leave just as fast, you know, I mean, in, 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 you know, Emily Dickinson's kind of uh, language, you know, hope is a thing with, with feathers. It's like, well, that's too bad because we're going to cook and fl- eat that thing because <laughs> it's not because, because if this, this, the fleeting notion of it is it actually is a thing we do. Mm-hmm. It's actually a thing that we say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put my feet on, feet on the floor. I'm going to slide into my fuzzy bunny slippers and I'm going to go pull on hope. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actively do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's so so I'm in that regard I I do I'm I'm hopeful because I'm I really do think um because I continue to see the and I think most people continue to see the damage that it does you know that is that is being done mm-hmm. to one another the corrosiveness of it and all that sort of stuff and and um you know we think and it's so bizarre that this is the most bizarre thing to me is that we think we're powerless against it and that's the thing. It's it's like invite some people you love to dinner, like have you know, spend some time you know nurturing another human being that you don't owe anything to, uh, you know, go you know help out in some random thing, go create some joy, you know, go learn how to play music and then go play it with somebody. Like it's, we think this is all like, oh my God, the orange man or the dad or, you know, or the daffy man or the whatever, like none of these things are, we we actually have all the power to be able to affect all these things at any given moment, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it's all present. Now it might not be easy because there's, there are things that are corroding us and there are things that are working against us in it, but it's all right there. I mean, that's part of my you know, it's part of my, it, again, and it all really does come back to me, a part of why I believe in church, you know, like why I really, I've, I've kind of, as much as I've wanted to like, kind of, you know, find the side door of yeah. like, no, I'm really doing the church thing, but not really doing it. Like I, as much as I, I, I really truly feel myself planted in this, in this, because it's about being in this community and about having this community together and about having this little group of pilgrims walking each other home and walking through this world together and, 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 you know, getting together and, you know, having casserole and, you know, this, this, this invitation to do life together, you know, it's, it's not simply a, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, uh, I mean, I think one of the great kind of tricks that have been done um, on, uh, you know, just the worst, the, you know, on worshiping congregational life of, of, you know, any parish or any church is that, you know, like that it's this need to show up for an hour on Sunday. It's like, that's not it. That's not, that's, that's the, that's the entry discipline. Like mm-hmm. that's the, you know, if you're going to go to the gym, it's better that you, well, go to the gym, but it doesn't, that's, that doesn't mean anything has happened you know that that's just having walked through the door right. like it's actually the the you know the the engagement with the machines the engagement with the exercise mm-hmm. the engagement with the people there the engagement with the trainer the, that will actually create transformation you know mm-hmm. and that's right. and so you know showing up once a week is and it's not you know like if that's all you got that's all you got that's great but but that's not what that's that's never been in 
2,000 years of Christendom has ever been what congregational life was about mm -hmm. on, you know, in any tradition anywhere. Like mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's always been about that, 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 uh, the broader connection of the, of the body together. So. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so to hear more, your, your live streams. Yep. How do we get to your live streams? How do we follow you? How do we keep in touch with Andy so, yeah. So um, the the most of my uh, most of the stuff is consolidated on the church's Facebook page. So um, uh, first first Congregational Church of Fall River. Um, the live streams are there. They're also on our website. Our website um, fccfallriver.com, which is a um, it's a lot. It's it's a much um, uh, it's kind of better relief and stuff like that if you want to follow that. But really, you know, we, we've kind of made the decision to bring everything to the Facebook page. So if you, if you go there, you'll, you know, there'll, there's, you know, we're, we're checking in there all the time and that's kind of the place that, that we meet digitally. Um, and, uh, the 11 11s are at 11 11 yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, um, you know, we're on the off chance that, that, uh, there's an event or something, but I'm pretty consistent with them. I, they're, they're pretty high on the priority list in terms of getting done. And so, and they're nothing more than, you know, usually a, maybe a, a piece of Bible or, or a story for the day or something that, that, um, you know, uh, kind of a spiritual tool that we'll come across to kind of share. Um, they're always raw. They're, uh, there's their low production value on purpose. Um, they're, I, I've made decisions not to, to make them more than they are because I, they, they, the, the goal is, um, the goal is, is authentic participation, not, uh, not shiny production. Not so production. that's kind of what we're, we're going for there. So. Yeah. Andy, thanks for the time. I can't, I can't thank you enough. Oh, Great, great message. I love it. Yeah, super. Thanks for the time. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.